Hey, everybody, this is Jimmy. Welcome back to another episode of the Jimmy Tingle Show. We are so excited today. We have Chris Farone, ladies and gentlemen. He is from the Boston Institute of Nonprofit Journalism. He is from Queens, New York. Round of applause for Queens, brothers and sisters. Queens, New York native who came to New England in 2004 to earn a master's degree in journalism at Boston University. Round of applause, Boston University. Chris Farone is the editor and co-publisher of Dig Boston and a co-founder of the Boston Institute for Nonprofit Journalism. I want to find out all about the Boston Institute of Nonprofit Journalism. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. Welcome the one, the only, originally from Queens, now Boston-based, Mr. Chris Farone. How are you, Chris? I'm great. Thanks a lot. And yeah, I know it's a mouthful. So, you know, we just say binge for short. I even have it tattooed on my knuckles. Got a whole story behind. Yeah, one of one of our early funders, uh, you know, I had been writing for the Phoenix where, you know, we were uh, like everybody else at the time. I was a staff writer at the Boston Phoenix before it yeah. went out, out of business. And, uh, you know, the guy, th- this is a big funder from the Midwest and said, uh, you know, you have a career. How do I know you're not going to just, you know, run off and, you know, do the solo stuff and that you're really committed to doing this project? And uh, so I got it tattooed on my knuckles. So I had to do it. And here we are seven <laughs> years later. And, uh, and you know, and here we are talking. You were actually one of the early supporters, too. We did an early we did a show early on just like this and uh, uh, humor for humanity. And it, it was fantastic. So I appreciate the, the 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 callback. Of course, Chris. That was a lot of fun. We did that one at the Sanders Theater. So, Chris, it's a pleasure to have you back. I'm really impressed with what you're doing. First of all, just explain to people. What is the Boston Institute for Nonprofit Journalism and how does it differ than, you know, say the Globe, the Herald, uh, you know, these other NPR, et cetera? Yeah. So, uh, you know, Binge, we, we kind of see it when we, uh, you know, and it's similar to when we started it, similar mission, which is uh, we're kind of like a free floating entity. Uh, you know, as, as everybody is aware, I think the media is hardly what it what it used to be. So, you know, we can barely get local news. You know, we got communities like Cambridge and Somerville. These cities of 80, 90, 100,000 people that don't even have anyone who covers City Hall, uh, let alone, you know, a, a full newspaper, a full newsroom. Uh, it's, it's a thing of the past, sadly. Uh, so we work with various publications to do articles that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Uh, many of them are investigative in nature. That was certainly uh, why we started. Even just this week, we did a big... Uh, big investigation uh and we've been covering this kind of stuff for a while into surveillance in boston uh piece ran in the bay state banner and also in dig boston so for people who may be familiar with propublica at the national level yeah. they work with outlets like the new york times we're a you know much smaller very grassroots local although we you know we cover issues across massachusetts the, the capital's right here in boston so we cover the state house of course and we work with outlets, independent outlets across the state, working with an outlet called The Shoestring in Western Mass right now on a story. Uh, and and basically, so, you know, I, like a like a regional ProPublica in that every time, every relationship is different. Some outlets have a reporter, but don't have the funding to pay that reporter extra. Some outlets don't have the uh, the reporter. Some outlets need to talk to an attorney. We connect them with an attorney. Uh, so really just this resource center. We've also helped start uh, similar nonprofits across the country, you know, small bootstrap nonprofits, some of them aligned with alt weeklies like we are uh, here in Boston with the dig. But some of them just really starting their own thing with their own new model. We just kind of help people get off the ground. Sometimes there's okay. like no one to call. 
Right. So, Chris, let me ask you, for example, when you say you partner with other newspapers, established newspapers, would somebody like the Bay State Banner hire you to do a particular story or, or, or the Globe or the Herald or whatever? Or would you do the story and then pitch that story to these existing platforms? Great question. So, you know, so as far as the Globe and the Herald are concerned, you know, they're really, first of all, they're both behind paywalls. And this mm-hmm. is one of the big problems with with journalism and access to journalism as far as we're concerned. So I'm not here to, you know, trash them. They both do great work, of course. I also have issues with some of the work they do. But nevertheless, this is a, we're in a different space than those outlets. And there are nonprofits uh, like ProPublica that work with outlets that are behind paywalls. It's It's kind of against our mission. Our idea is to work with outlets like The Banner, that are not behind paywalls and are also that are really more locally and community based. And uh, as for our relationships, they're always different. Sometimes like a newspaper like El Planeta in Spanish has come to us and said, we have this investigation, we need the resources. This, But this more recent piece, uh, it actually kind of came through at the last minute because we were able to uh, have some impact before a Boston City Council meeting. And so we kind of just said to partners uh hey is that who who wants to run this we gave them a day's notice and you know the banner and the dig picked it up but really it's always different we're malleable and that's kind of that's the important thing and we never go with our handout we don't ask for money from these partners the the funding comes in from the public and we work with these outlets that like we said otherwise probably couldn't afford to do a lot of this heavy lifting in today's media landscape okay so you are donation based then the, yeah, the people, your based. readers your subscribers you're completely donation-based. So if you wrote an article, if you wanted to cover something at City Hall and you would put up the resources, you would pay the reporters to do it and all that, you would get it up in your platform and then you would say to these platforms, you you can access this. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, and you know, and we'll have a relationship ahead of, the time, ahead of time also. Sometimes we'll partner with a national publication. We had uh, some major impact last year uh, writing about rodenticides, things that are used to kill rodents that also end up Killing uh, bald eagles and and uh, and mm-hmm. other uh, other species, we, uh, we published that with Salon, and so yeah, sometimes it's a national partner. We also sometimes partner with other uh, alternative newspapers around the country to show how the same issue, say say prisons, uh, uh, is is playing out in different places. So you know, there's really uh, the, the sky's the limit, and this is kind of the new way. You got to figure it out somehow because the you know the, the ad dollars the way they used to stack, it's just. It's a different world. So, uh, you know, the nonprofit, we've been doing it for a while. And uh, we, we were one of the first to kind of do it this way. But there were people doing it before us. There's places like the New England Center for Investigative Reporting. They're based mm-hmm. out of GBH now. And that's great. And they really do great work. Uh, but we really have a more of a grassroots approach. We, we work with freelancers. This year, we'll cut checks to more than 50 freelancers. And many of them have regular jobs. Uh, but this is the kind of work that uh, you know, it, you're not going to do it on your own if there's no compensation, there's no recognition, even if it's just a little bit, a couple hundred or a thousand dollars. It's it's something and it keeps people motivated. And I wish I could save journalism, you know, one sixty five thousand dollar a year job at a time. It's just not happening right now. But at the least, we could do these important stories often that have significant impact. Right. And so would you say that what separates you from NPR or or, uh, you know, the Globe, the Herald or whoever is that with their I believe they're nonprofits as well. Isn't the Globe and the Herald technically nonprofits? Or are no, they the not? Globe and the Globe and the Herald are both are, are, the Herald's owned by this giant company uh, through another company and a, a Japanese bank. 
and the Boston Globe's owned by John Henry. You know, it's a uh, a private business. Uh, okay. They do work with some nonprofit. They do, uh, you know, some nonprofit collaborations, but that's different. As for NPR, you know, that's those are and NPBS, of course. You know, yeah. GBH here in Boston is one of the biggest MP, uh, one of the biggest NPR and PBS affiliates in the country. Uh, and I, I don't want people to see this as a separate thing, the right. media ecosystem here. And I, I could go on and on. There's literally dozens of reporters who have come through the doors of the dig and have worked with Binge that are now everywhere from ProPublica, like Emily Hopkins, who started with Binge uh, and, and the dig uh, to, um, uh, to to people who wrote their first features with us that are now at WBUR, at GBH, at The Globe, at The Washington Post. So, you know, I, I just think, uh, you know, I hate to call us the farm team because the work that we put out, I think is, you know, as as great as 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 work that comes out in, in you know, big article, big papers like The Globe. But at the same time, we are developing a lot of that talent. And locally, we even do workshops. We teach community members how to make media. Um, this, is, this is something that in this day and age, uh, does not, it, it might not always be professionalized the way it used to be. But there are a lot of people who have the tools, maybe even went to school for it or, or didn't, but have the chops to do the research mm -hmm. that uh, we activate them as much as possible. Right. And how important is it to you? Because I, I used to work at 60 Minutes. I think you know that. And I know you have a degree in journalism. And when you were coming up through journalism, you couldn't just go with a feeling and put it out there as news. I mean, that one of the biggest problems we have in the media landscape right now is there. I don't know what the fact checking is for everybody, but the accountability is virtually non-existent. People say things all the time on television and radio that are not necessarily uh, true, but there's no accountability. So how important is it to you to get the story right before you go to publication? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously a, a, a critical thing and also a, a legal issue for a lot of the work that we do. But I also say that we're, I don't want to dodge the question, but we're, we're in a kind of fortunate position in that with the long form stuff, at least, we are able to actually sit back and watch a lot of those mistakes get made. And, mm -hmm. and, and when our reporting encompasses that media criticism often, not always directly, but off, you know, we're able to say, you know, that, you know, all the, you know, this arrest happened and all the media coverage said this one thing. Now we know it was the opposite. And, you know, yeah. reporters listen to the police who had lied or whatever the story is. Uh, so that, you know, that's and that's always kind of been the tradition, whether it was the Boston Phoenix Village Voice of alternative media before that word was hijacked by the alt-right. Nevertheless, uh, you know, when we do this long-form journalism, a lot of these stories that we're putting out, not that we're just bragging about length, but, you know, three, five, seven thousand words um, mm -hmm. and, you know, with historic uh, context. So I think people really do appreciate these are articles that don't go away. They're not here one day and gone the next. Uh, some of our articles still that have been published years ago get more than a thousand views a week on some of the sites they were distributed uh, from. And I think that's a testament to the work that we're doing. It's thorough. So a lot of it has infographics attached to it. It's something that you may not be able to read on one sitting, more book-like, but it's a resource mm -hmm. that people go to uh, for years. And, and that's for us, that's what it's about. You know, they say we're writing Great. the first draft of history, like to do a little bit better than that, maybe second or third, you know. Right. Well, Michael Moore uh, was one of the few voices coming up in the recent midterms that was saying, don't believe what you're reading about the polls. Don't believe uh, in this automatic red wave that's going to crush the Democrats. And I remember reading, I, I subscribed to his newsletter and I would get his emails and he was saying, you know, things are going to be much better for the Democrats than 
that is being reported in the quote mainstream media. And I'm saying, okay, let's see what happens. Turns out he was right. And I wonder if you guys were covering the midterms at all uh, leading up to that. And did you have a similar uh, take on what might happen? Well, a few things. So we, you know, as far as elections, uh, mostly, you know, we cover state and local elections. So I had my own, you know, my own ideas, yeah. but, uh, uh, as for Michael Moore, he actually, I, I gotta say he participated every four years. This is what we do a lot when it comes to politics. Every four years, binge rents out the Shaskeen pub in Manchester, New Hampshire during the primary for the week leading up to it. And we provide right. a free beer and free workspace and internet for whether it's Jimmy Tingle or any independent reporter up there who is not part of this, you know, Remember how 60 Minutes has like a whole room at the Ramada across yeah. the street? Anyway, yeah. so Michael Moore actually did his podcast at uh, at our newsroom last time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, for me, I don't really believe any of it. I can't stand horse race politics. When we do go up there, when we do bring reporters to New New Hampshire, we actually, mm -hmm. last time we, we do this thing where we ask people what kind of issues they would like covered. And you hear things that you never see. People wanted to hear about uh, nu the, the nuclear plant up in uh, Seabrook. People wanted to hear about yeah. issues that just never come up. And it sounds cliche when I say it, but it's true. It's not it's it's not the chicken or the egg. It's it's the media feeding people a lot of stuff that they don't even necessarily want. And of course, Jimmy, you know, as a, as a former candidate yourself, you know that politics in Massachusetts, nothing else really applies. We're kind of in our own little bubble here. Uh, <laughs> Republicans barely exist. And, and I don't know if that's always for, for a great thing. Uh, so I, I guess my real answer is that I was really busy wondering what the next four years in Massachusetts are going to be like without a single yeah. Republican in charge. Uh, I know that a lot of Democrats are celebrating, but I, I, it's going to be interesting as, as a reporter. I don't see any reason anybody would ever answer a FOIA request, for example, when all their colleagues in government will back them up on not responding, which has always kind of been the case anyway. But at least, you know, we had Charlie Baker in there or Mitt Romney as a foil. Uh, so that's where right. I was, that, you know, electorally, that's where I've been thinking. Right. Tell me, how are you guys doing in terms of is the digital platform? You're solely digital. You're not doing anything. You're not doing hard copies now, right? Yeah, right, right. OK, so how is that working for you in terms of financing? Are you be able to keep your head above water? Is everybody getting paid? Do you <laughs> see? Is it how, how's it going? Well, you <laughs> I know, know you're not getting paid, well, but is everybody else getting yeah, paid? Right. Well, with the you know, thanks to thanks to binge, we're able to do the the long form stuff and, you know, and have and get money in the pockets of people, including us. You know, we work on a contract basis. So if I'm working on a story um, yeah. with the dig, you know, truth is without printing, you know, it's a, it's less of a risk. And by the way, so people know we never had a lack of readership print cost. And some people know this actually went up 40 to 50 percent. So when we were still putting more than 35,000 newspapers out. So it's not easy, but thanks to weed, you know, thanks to cannabis being uh, recreational weed in, in Massachusetts, that's been a huge outlet for us. We've been covering it for years. And uh, we have a partner uh, publication called Talking Joints Memo. The, that's a, so basically, you know, we make it work. Uh, I will say as for, you know, entertainment's always the tough stuff, uh, whether it's, you know, comedy, uh, music, arts we support all that we cover it but it, it makes us no money you know there's no there's no advertising in that realm the way it used to be if you used to you know look at a boston phoenix from the 1980s every new and also our uh restaurants every new restaurant that opened every club they had to have ads every week it just doesn't work like that anymore so I, we were done right. complaining about it a while ago that's why we started a nonprofit. that's why we do you know a lot of cannabis reporting you know we we, we kind of just look for solutions instead of uh trying to beat the old drum. And we still do have the, you know, the locals that just, that do support us. 
you know, holiday time. If you go to the dig, you'll see all sorts of ads for, you know, for the theater districts. We still get some of that. People know we can still um, put some butts in seats. So uh, so we're still good for that. So, you know, we try to we're kind of old school. We have a lot of that old Phoenix readership, too. But, you know, we're, we, we play along on, on social media as well and uh, certainly have a lot of young readers. So, you know, as long as we can keep it going, uh, of course, the investigative stuff is what's most important to me. Uh, and, and, you know, what, no matter what I always said with binge with the nonprofit, if we raise $2,000, we'll do $2,000 with the journalism. If we raise 2 million, we'll do $2 million with the journalism. And that's what I'm here for. Um, and yeah. that's the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> that's the spirit, Chris, you know, people should never underestimate the impact that alternative media has and has had in this country. And especially in this town, the Boston Phoenix broke the Catholic Church clergy scandal right. years before. Yeah, I mean, Kristen during Lombardi. the 80s. And my friend Barry Cremens was Barry. a victim of, Rest in yeah, peace. Of, of, of sexual abuse, not clergy abuse, but sexual abuse. And he was among the first people, you know, to, to, to come out publicly on that. And he wrote a big article, I believe, in, in, in the Phoenix. But they've been always on the cutting edge of new ideas new uh insights into what's happening so it's a it's a huge asset for the for the region and it's a huge asset ultimately some of these stories are picked up nationally and become life-changing stories for example pro i think we were saying pro publica weren't they the people that broke the story about the um row the row decision yeah uh, like that i had it, yeah they what they had the leaks i mean pro publica yeah. breaks so much stuff it's unbelievable I mean, they're they're yeah. a great example of not you know, they're able to like, you know, free floating incubator They're you know, they're, we, we look up to them and certainly people from ProPublica have given us a lot of tips over the years on, on how to yeah. make this happen. And I'll just say, I, you know, this year we, we did more than 50 features. And if you look at those, a lot of them are ones that people have heard about, maybe not directly through us, but that have trickled out, whether about surveillance, when it comes to prisons and parole, often we're the only people covering big issues. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it, it, some, it used to be that, uh, so much was covered now it's there's there's so many so many holes in the media we're just trying to fill as many as possible great so chris for folks who are watching and listening they rely on donations so if people want to donate or if people want to read your articles first of all where do they go what's the what's the url for the website uh binge online b-i-n-j online.org uh and you can just look up boston institute for Nonprofit journalism we're everywhere uh, if you want to just okay. go to the shortcut give to binge give to binj.org. That's the donation link. But, uh, you, you know, now that you've heard of us, you'll say, oh yeah, I know those. I know them. I, I see that pop up. And that's, that's kind of the idea. We want to be in the fabric of the community. Okay. And what about dig Boston? Where do you find that? Digboston.com And also, you know, on all socials, uh, and, 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 uh, I appreciate all the support. And yeah, we say when you support independent journalism, you kind of support all of your favorite causes at one time. Uh, I know it's hard to say, wow, there's all these, you know, other really important causes for us. I can't stress enough that a lot of these people, uh, a lot of these uh, institutions, whether whether it's homelessness or or uh, uh, immig uh, immigrants, they don't have publicists. So it takes people like us to report on on these communities. Chris Farone, thank you so much for joining us today. Continue success. You're in the you're in the uh, you're in the spirit of Mark Twain and uh, uh, what's his name Mencken. Sure, what's his, his, what's his Mencken, first name? Sure H. L. So. Mencken and all the muckrackers throughout history who have beat the bushes and got the stories and brought attention to important things that are happening that aren't always reported in the mainstream. And you're doing it out of a love of journalism 
and a passion for the truth. So I hats are off to you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Jimmy.